So in previous episodes, I've repeatedly mentioned the quote. It's a Stoic quote that states that the gods don't give you any good without the cost of some evil, meaning in order to experience something positive, there's like always a catch, right? And that's kind of a known phrase right like what's the catch what's the cost is what it should be like what what is the cost but we call it what's the catch and i have spoken about this in previous episodes in regards to just anything positive that's happening in your life understand that it's going to come with a cost so not even just anything positive that's happening in your life just anything that you do where you're getting a positive feeling from it um if it's pushing you to an extreme right if you feel high like drugs i've, I've referenced this you know if you're Particularly on my, I think my mushroom trip episode, I talked about that, where I took mushrooms and it pushed me to an extreme high. And I was like, for like six hours, I felt really good. Like I spoke about total body like orgasms, but then for like a week after that, I felt like shit. Um, And, you know, I spoke about how everything has a cost, everything costs. And um, more or less saying all of that, to get you guys to flip things on the opposite end. So just as anything good is going to come with a cost, right? Like if you are, you know, taking drugs or, you know, drinking alcohol, right? You're going to feel the high when you're drunk, but then you're going to pay for that high later with a hangover. I delve into this in a lot deeper in other episodes. So I recommend that you go listen to previous episodes um you just read the tag the titles and you should be able to glean from the titles of each episode um which episodes reference what i'm talking to you about but that's not what this podcast episode is about i just want you to kind of bear that in mind as i kind of delve in and i want you to be cognizant of the fact that there's the opposite end of the coin and what i mean by that is just as when you experience something positive right there's a catch to it right like nature abhors extremes and it always seeks a balance life always seeks a balance bear in mind too that if you are experiencing a lot of negativity on the opposite end then you should take joy in that and look at that as okay whatever suffering I'm going through now rather than delving into it and saying oh shit like this sucks or I'm depressed or I'm suffering or my life isn't going the way I want it to go. Understand or look at it as, okay, I am paying for something positive, right? And so because you have swung to the opposite, let's say negative, if you find yourself in a negative side of the spectrum in life, right, where everything just seems to not be going your way, you're arguing with your spouses, you're not getting along with your kids, your friends are just kind of misbehaving, your business isn't going the way you want it to go. A lot of people, when they get into like, you know, modes of operation like that, where just everything just seems really negative, they delve into that negativity, accept it as something that is permanent. And as a result of that acceptance, it becomes a permanent state. And not because you're supposed to be in that permanent state, but because you believe that it is permanent and so you more or less get stuck. And so what I'm trying to bring to your attention, because once you become cognizant of something or conscious of something that you're doing, it allows you to get unstuck kind of thing, right? So if you're walking and you get trapped 
somewhere and you, you're not able to move. If you're able to find what you're trapped on or what you're caught on, then it allows you to dislodge yourself from the trap, so to speak, and then you can, you know, move forward, right? So, but if you're unable to see where you're stuck, right, then you are unable to dislodge. So I'm saying from somebody who is watching you and you're, if you're stuck in a negative mindset, what I'm trying to do is bring this to your attention. This is where you're stuck. This is why you're stuck. And this is how you're going to get unstuck. It all starts um, with the mind. I have been rereading some of my books on Osho, O-S-H-O. And if you've never heard of them, or if you've only partially heard of them, whatever negative or positive thing that you have heard of them, dis disregard it, discard it, discard other people's opinions of him and his writings and his teaching. And I would recommend that you read and listen to his stuff yourself. Um, Because one, when people give reviews of things, bear in mind that their reviews is based on their perspective and their opinions on something. And their opinion on something might not necessarily apply to you, maybe in a general sense, but not necessarily. So I I implore you to read it, listen to it, and form your own conclusions. I started off this week, even though I know it's only Tuesday, but let's say like Sunday, I started off like this week on Sunday, um, kind of like in a negative mind state. Um, And I think for, for what's happening right now, that's normal. Um, And what I did this time, um, as opposed to maybe like a year ago, um, was I just, I was able, because of all the reading that I've been doing and all the podcasting that I've been doing and kind of more or less talking to myself as I'm talking to you guys, um, I realized I I was able to become conscious of what was happening and then observe it. And in the act of observance of these negative mood states, I was able to uh, to kind of become a conscious awareness, not only of what was happening to me, but also what was happening to people around me. And I almost felt like a scene in the matrix the last couple of days because not only was I in a negative mind space, um, it seems like everybody that I loved was also in a negative mind space. And it was interesting watching them sort of be a different version of who I typically know them to be and um, applying compassion to that and uh, applying compassion to them and having some empathy of them with the understanding that, okay, this is like a down period rather than reacting to their down period as though that's who they are at a constant state. Now, I'm not saying I started off like super aware, like the moment like my husband became negative. I I really did try to kind of stay above it and give him space. But it's the negative energy becomes sort of like a vortex and you you can easily get sucked into. So I did get sucked into like his negative kind of vortex and his negative energy and I reacted to that, but 
the difference, like I said, between maybe like this reaction and like a year ago before all of the reading that I've been doing is that even in the midst of the reaction, I was sort of performing a Gorgiev-esque sort of observation of myself and the observation of myself in the sense of, okay, this is Joe, you know, raising her voice. Do you really need to be raising your voice? Why are you raising your voice? Okay, you can make a choice at this point to walk away from the situation or continue to argue. And I wasn't 100% able to walk away from an argument, but there was a part of me that became sort of conscious of the fact that even me acknowledging the fact that I should be walking away from the argument and yet being unable to walk away from the argument because of how it made me feel, recognizing that on some level, you do, we do enjoy suffering. On some level, we have been programmed to accept suffering as something normal. And so we get a lot of sort of enjoyment in the drama of things. So I was able to recognize that in the midst of me, I should say, indulging in it. And to me, that's progress. And once I was able to recognize what was happening, it then allowed me to take a step back and then walk away and then analyze everything that happened from that point on. Like, okay, so your husband's in a bad mood. Now you have a choice and you are right now choosing not to recognize that this is not who he is. This is like a downturn and there is like a vortex of negativity. If you don't walk away, you're going to get kind of sucked in. Um, Okay, now you're sucked in. Okay, now you're yelling. Okay, now you're walking away. Okay, how does it feel? And even in the act of observing all of that, it's you also observe how other people kind of encourage you to suffer. So the whole thing has been, you know, a learning experience, right? So you call somebody and they can kind of hear in your voice, you're not, you don't sound the way you normally sound. And so the next thing that they ask is, what's wrong? We are conditioned, we are programmed when a person asks what's wrong to basically start complaining. In previous episodes, I have talked about how you cannot complain and be happy, right? If you, regardless of what the person has done to you at that present moment, if you start complaining, what you're doing is you're programming yourself to focus on only the negative things that the person has done or is doing, which then causes your brain to completely disregard and discard all of the positive things that they've ever done and when you're on the phone with like a loved one or you know friend or a family member or whatever it is and they're saying what is wrong it's like an invitation to suffer and I was able to sit and quote once again indulge in that negative space and start saying well you know he does he does he does this and then he does that and he didn't do this and I don't like it when it and then you're listening to the other person you know, going, oh my gosh, like that's awful and kind of feeding that. And the whole thing, right? The whole thing I'm saying, I'm watching it. 
as a conscious observer. So I'm letting my mind, my ego kind of do its thing. But in the background, there's a, there's a conscious observer going, okay, like there's enjoyment here. Okay, what do I get from complaining, right? What do I get from criticizing this person? Now, this is where my referencing Osho comes up. After the argument that I had, I went to my studio and I started playing my old Osho. And right on cue, he talked about why we criticize. And what he said was, when we criticize people, it's an act of condemnation. It's an act of judgment that basically says, this person that I'm criticizing is not worthy. I am better than this person that I'm criticizing. And that act of criticism satiates your ego, inflates your ego, and makes you look perfect to yourself and to the people that you're complaining. So that's why there's complaining too, rather. That's why there is pleasure in the act of criticism and complaining, because you're basically feeding your own ego, right? You're, it's like <laughs> ego masturbation. You're basically, when you sit on the phone and you start saying, you know, this person did this and this person did that and they didn't do this and they didn't do that. It's also on a subconscious level, you are communicating the message that I am better than this person, all right? I, because I'm able to sit here and judge this person in their low point, right? Because uh, usually you're only complaining or criticizing a person when they are in their own negative space, right? When their, their pendulum has kind of swung from a positive state where they're caring and loving and sweet to a negative state where they are, you know, emotional and angry and short-tempered and grouchy. And then your ego senses that, notices that, and then decides, oh, okay, this person is in a down space. Let me more or less now use this as an opportunity to boost myself. It's an ego thing, right? And in the act of you criticizing and judging this person, you feed your ego and your ego basically grows and it says, yeah. This person didn't do this. I'm better than them. I'm better than them at this. I'm, I wouldn't have done this. I'm do, and you get enjoyment. It's basically like complimenting yourself, right? You're not waiting for anybody to compliment you. You are judging somebody else as less than. And in the hopes, uh, in the process of you judging somebody as less than, you feel as though it somehow makes you better than them. That's a dangerous thing to do. There is a book called The Ego is the Enemy. I would recommend that you read it. I can't think of the author's name right now, um, but I will put it in the description when I am done recording. And more or less, any action that feeds your ego, right? For example, our addiction to social media, the likes, you know, the comments, the compliments, and the things that we all do and we are all doing to collectively seek validation and praise from strangers is meant to feed and satiate the ego. The ego operates in a state of impermanence. It knows that 
it will it won't always be here and so it seeks a certain level of validation from other people um as a means to sort of prolong its itself even if it's in the minds and the memories of other people um and when i say ego people say like people kind of discuss an ego like it's a sort of non-corporeal non-corporeal thing and it is hard to quantify when you ask somebody okay well what is your ego and if you ask the average person what your ego what is the ego you know they're going to say well there's the id the ego and the super ego okay but you're not really breaking it down as to something that's you know quantitative something that's tangible that i can point to and i say okay that's your ego so my explanation of what ego is is my explanation it's what helps me explain and understand myself and my psyche and i want to share it with you um in hopes that the same can be you know you can can help you that the, the definition can can help you in all my studies and all my readings i basically come to the conclusion that the the ego is your persona it's your false self right and what i mean by that is when you look in the mirror and you see a face, a body, a form, right? And a name, an identity, a label, which is, you know, whatever you call yourself and what other people call you, that is the ego. Your persona is the ego. Your personality is your ego. It's your false self. It's what the the Hindus allude, allude to as well as the Buddhists allude to when they say that that's the false self, Right. If you want to look at it from a technological aspect, think of it as your avatar in the video game simulation that we call we call reality. Okay, and um, that false self comes with a pre-programmed personality. I delve into this a bit more on my other podcast. It's a 15 episode anthology called The Dark Oracle's Guide to the Multiverse. You could start with episode 15 and actually work your way down. Believe it or not, it actually becomes easier to understand if you start with the last episode and then work your way to the first. Um, and I And I describe that as like you're in a simulation, there is like an avatar that you upload your consciousness into and your consciousness is who you really are, not the person that you see when you look in the mirror. That's just a persona that you've adapted. And you've heard me say before that persona comes from the word, our personality comes from the word persona and persona, the etymology of the word persona means mask. So there is an understanding ingrained in our society and in our vocabulary that who you think you are is a false self, is a mask, right? It's a charade. So back to the ego. When you criticize, condemn, and complain about people, you are basically strengthening the false self, its grip over your psyche, and you're blinding yourself to who you really are while also becoming further ingrained into the simulation, right? The simulation is our reality. The more you engage in those behaviors where you're criticizing other people and you're strengthening your ego, you make this, the construct, the simulated reality, feel more real, right? It reinforces the, quote, realness 
of your ego, your persona, your false self, as well as the construct, as well as Maya, as well as um, our simulated reality. And if you are just now listening to my podcast, um, I would, like I said, suggest that you check out previous episodes um, because basically I operate under the premise that we are living in a simulation and I have given lots of um, evidence and books and stated, you know, philosophers and uh, physicists and things of that nature throughout episodes to kind of support that stance. So if you have an in- interest in any of that, I suggest you check out um, previous episodes. Um, so yeah, so you're strengthening your the, the constructs hold on your psyche. Now, w- one thing that s- s- jumped out to me as soon as I found myself back downstairs, my studio, listening, re-listening to our show was the fact that one, when you criticize and condemn other people, you strengthen your own ego. And that's, that ego is an illusion. So you throw yourself deeper into the illusion, right? Imagine being in a dream and the dream kind of feels real. And so you start to really interact with the characters in the in the dream and you start taking the things that they do seriously. And the more you take the things that they do seriously and the more you take yourself and your dream self seriously and you react seriously to the characters and personas in the dream, the more real the dream feels to you so that when you wake up for the, from the dream, the emotional reactions you had to the characters in your dream solidifies those characters in the dream, even in your waking life. And we are constantly doing that in this reality. And as a result, the majority of us believe in the construct, believe that the construct is reality And we believe that the image and the persona and the ego and the individual that we see when we look in the mirror and our personality and our names and our labels of, you know, whatever, you know, Democrat, Republican, um, white, black, American, European, whatever label you've, you've taken onto yourself and adapted as what you are, as a definition of you that becomes you. Right, and you take that as more real, and then you begin to suffer. So, one of the things that he said to me, he said to me, one of the things that I got from the book, um, one of Osho's book was uh, this quote. And the book is that I'm presently listening to is called The Book of Wisdom, it's a 47 hour listen on Audible, however. I listen to it at 3x speed because he speaks really slowly. So you can listen through the whole book if you drop it either to 2x speed or 3x speed anywhere from like one to four days. So don't be put off by the length of the audiobook um, because you can always speed it up because he does speak really slowly and there's a lot of pauses in between. And I've encouraged you before and I'll encourage you again, try to train your mind to listen to books faster and retain the information. It takes practice, but it allows you to read, review, and re-read a book and really get the information 
than just reading it once in like a 16 hour, you know, time space. If you speed a book up and let's say you can only listen to it at 2x speed, which is still pretty good, right? You can listen to that same book twice that you would have listened to it once in that 16 hour frame and gotten that much more information from the book. Because when you listen to a book or you read a book just once, there's a lot of stuff that you miss, right? Because your mind's going or you got distracted or whatever it is. And I found that every time I reread something, I get something that I miss the first time. Even from watching a show, every time I rewatch something, I get something that I missed the first time. So I encourage you to kind of prime your mind to listen to things really quickly. Um, but what he said in, I believe it was a book of wisdom this quote came from, but he said that life keeps a balance, which is what I alluded to at the beginning of this episode. Um, and it was something that I needed to hear in the midst of me brooding in my negativity because I allowed myself to get sucked into somebody else's like negative vortex, right? They were swinging in the opposite direction. It was their downturn. I engaged and then I got pulled in and then I found myself in a negative state. And then I further engaged by criticizing this person, which just satiated and fed my ego, which feeding my ego strengthens its grip over my consciousness and it makes me suffer the more. Like a lot of people with very strong egos also tend to suffer more because the ego is never satiated, it's never satisfied, and it literally thrives on suffering because it makes it, it, it kind of makes it more tangible. Your suffering is, the, the suffering of your consciousness is what makes your persona, the false persona, feel more real and it strengthens it. It's almost like in a way we are in a symbiotic relationship with our own bodies, with the bodies that our consciousness have been uploaded into. We are in like a weird symbiotic relationship, right? We need the bodies in order to experience this reality. It needs our consciousness, right? And you are a conscious entity. You're not your body, right? You are just having an experience through your body, which is just a vehicle, but the vehicle within itself has its own persona, has its own personality that has been pre-programmed before you even came into this reality, before you uploaded your consciousness into your body, into your mind. It had a pre-programmed, you know, experience. You That's in your DNA, that's in your... Um, if you believe in determinism, which everything points to the fact that time isn't real, everything is a loop, and all that you've experienced, you've already experienced. So it's not even something that you have to necessarily believe in. It's just, it's facts. Um, so it's all illusion. It's all a loop. And you are just experiencing it for God knows how many times you've actually gone through this loop. But when you use, when your consciousness gets kind of sucked into the game and the game starts to feel real, it feels real because of your energy that you have given to it and to make it real, make it feel more real. Um, and if you're confused at this point, I know a lot of my normal listeners are like with me. If you're a new listener, like I said, please go back because I do delve into this um, a bit more in previous episodes. So what he said was, what Osho said was, life keeps a balance. And I had to remember that. Like, okay, my husband is in a negative mood right now. But 
that was because of the fact that leading up into this, like he was in a positive mood. And he's not like me where he tries to maintain a level of homeostasis. He tends to swing. Not that he's bipolar, but we all swing. If you don't consciously try to maintain a certain level of homeostasis, you will swing. So he was having a really good week. And all of a sudden he was grouchy. He was swinging the opposite way. You have to understand that life keeps a balance. You have to understand that everything seeks to be balanced, right? You have day, you have night, right? You have shadow, you have light. Even in parts of the world where it's daytime all the time, right? It's only a certain amount of time, right? But there's still another period of time that kind of balances out where maybe it's not as light as it usually is, or it's not as dark as it usually is, but it likes that's this reality needs things to be balanced at all times. So just like I mentioned with drugs, if you take too many drugs and you're high, right? Expect that there will be a crash. Just expect it. Right. And so I needed that reminder. So I sat down, I hit play, and here he is telling me, here's Osho telling me, like, remember, life keeps a balance. So right now, he he's balancing himself. It's just almost to the opposite extreme, right? So now he's in a negative state where before he was in a positive state. Like I said, we're all bipolar if you think about it. And everything in this world is bipolar, you know? Obviously, people who suffer from bipolar disorder, it's like more of an extreme version of it. Yeah, just like people who have a multiple personality disorder, it's like an extreme version of what like Gurdjieff talked about when he talks about how we have many eyes. Like we all have different personalities. Like who you are with your parents is not the same person as who you are with your friends. You get it? So we're all, we're all bipolar. We all swing. But everything in this reality swings. And then he said, there is no heaven and there is no hell. They're not geographical. They're not geographical, as in these places, heaven and hell are not geographical. They are psychological. To live in freedom is heaven and to live in bondage is hell. And how he describes bondage is a psychological type of bondage where basically you allow yourself to criticize, you allow yourself to condemn, you allow yourself to believe in the in the illusion of this reality, right? Maya, Layla, um, these are words that the Hindus use to describe, you know, the construct that we have found ourselves in. And um, you get bound to that because you take this world as real. You take everything as real. You take everything at surface value. You believe the, the illusions. You get attached to the illusions and that attachment causes the bondage and that bondage is hell right and then he says heaven is here on earth you just need to know how to live it heaven is here you just need to know how to live it and hell too and you know perfectly well how to live it you know we know perfectly well how to live in hell Right? Then he says, if you condemn everything, the same earth turns to hell. Right? If you condemn everything, the same earth turns to hell. It is not a change of place, 
but a change of inner space. So condemnation, criticism, complaining, that's the fastest way to take paradise and turn it into hell. Just start complaining. You don't believe me? Mentally, right now, put yourself in paradise. Like, let's say you want to go, you've always wanted to go to Hawaii, right? Now, on paper, Hawaii is paradise. I mean, the weather is great. The water is beautiful. There's literally fruit, sugar cane, food walking around, growing on the side, you know, of the road. And it is like just gorgeous waterfalls, probably one of the most beautiful places on this planet. It's Hawaii. Pick an island. Gorgeous, right? So on paper, it's paradise. Now you take the wrong mind or you take a negative negatively inclined mind and you put them in Hawaii and the ne- a negative mind has the power to turn paradise into hell a negative mind has the power to turn paradise into hell a negative mind can turn paradise into hell right so that negative mind starts condemning and that condemnation could start with like it's too hot, the water is too salty, there's bugs everywhere. Um, why are there so many people? You get so the every complaint, every condemnation that you utter and you allow to kind of creep into your psyche, one kind of elevates the ego, right? So when you're complaining, you're basically saying like I am this super important person where everything has to kind of succumb to my my will and to my needs and to to meet, you know, my expectations, right? So that's how you start. Me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 narcissism, right? That's how you start kind of feeding the ego. The ego starts to kind of get strengthened because you're basically saying like, I am this important person. The world should bend to my needs. And because it doesn't bend to my needs and I reserve by condemnation the power to basically complain and say like this should be this should be this way and this should be that way bearing in mind that you don't have the power to change anything right you didn't create you don't even have the power to create hawaii you didn't create hawaii you didn't create the water you didn't create the ocean a lot of people can barely create in their lives right they spend most of their time consuming and you're going into a situation and you're just like shitting on everything Right. Well, that went by that very act of condemnation kind of in your mind, in your psyche and to people who are listening. Elevates you. Right. Elevates you. It makes you feel like you're this person that everything has to sort of bend to your will. But by the act of you elevating your ego you are also setting yourself up for suffering because one, you're creating hell for yourself because you aren't able to find pleasure in things that you should find pleasure in, right? And instead, you are only finding hell and suffering. So that is hell. By definition, that is hell. You take one person, right? You take a person and you give them their partner, right? And that partner could be the best human being possible. 
they could like like let's just say you are capable of creating a perfect human being right with the wrong mindset an individual can take a philosophically perfect individual and turn a marriage to a perfect individual into a sort of hell easy just start condemning them just start criticizing them just start complaining about them like i know you've heard people say things like god like why do you have to be so fucking perfect that's a complaint (laughs) okay that's like legit complaints that people have said about their part their, their partners like you don't have to be so perfect the wrong of a wrong mind or a mind in a negative state can complain about paradise and turn paradise into hell i'll say this again a, a mind that is in a negative space can complain about paradise and turn paradise into hell to reiterate or to repeat what Osho said so that it sinks in, life keeps a balance. There is no heaven and there is no hell. They are not geographical. They are psychological. To live in freedom is heaven and to live in bondage is hell. Heaven is here. You just need to know how to live it and hell too. And you know perfectly well how to live hell. If you condemn everything, the same earth turns to hell. It is not a change of place but a change of inner space. Now, I need you guys, and this is for me too, to really meditate on what I've said so far um, because of the fact that I'm seeing a lot and a lot lot of people more and more complaining, or maybe not complaining, but voicing concerns with how the quarantine is affecting their marriage. And I think that if you can bear this in mind that complaining doesn't help the situation, what helped me was literally I was sinking and sinking and sinking. I, I'd done everything that I quote shouldn't have done. Yeah. And, um, what I did was my, my husband was in a bad mood. Right. And I engaged, I got sucked into his vortex of negativity. I'm not saying that he's a negative person. He was just, you know, he was balancing out. He had swung too positive and now he was swinging in the opposite direction. The best way to do that is to avoid swinging in any direction, but that's a whole nother podcast. Um, and I'm sure I've talked about this in previous episodes. So, you know, do you think? Anyway, um, so the first thing I did wrong was I saw and observed that he was in a negative state. And I didn't, I didn't walk away from it. I, I, I didn't go okay, this is not my issue right now. This is his thing, you know? And there is like a vortex of negativity. And when somebody is in that space, they're not in a good place. They, you know, they don't feel feel good. It's like, it's like if a hangover could be contagious, right? If you walk up to like your friend and they're, they're having a hangover, imagine if you could, by talking to them, if they yelled at you, right? You could catch their hangover. What would you do? Like, you would just be like, okay, um, I love you. (laughs) And here, let me give you stuff to make you feel better. 
what you don't do, what you shouldn't do, what most people don't do when they see that their friend is in a, in a negative state, like let's use the hangover, is like shout at them, right? Like that would be cruel. Like you recognize like they have a headache, right? They're clearly suffering, right? And so as a result, you can't expect them to be in a good mood. So if you notice that, either help them or get out of their way, they will get better eventually. Um, but what you don't typically do when somebody has a hangover is contribute to that by like antagonizing them, you know, and not even saying that I antagonize my husband like intentionally, but the fact that I just didn't get out of his way or recognize, okay, he's not in a good space was an act of like antagonization in, in retrospect. So I, I interacted with him when I should have just given him a space, right? which is hard for us to do now in quarantine because there's nowhere really for a lot of us to go. Um, so when a person swings negative, you can't really get out of each other's way because there's nowhere really to go to, which is why I said in previous episodes, like you really do need to make sure you give each other space. It's funny because I say these things and then like, I'm, in the, I'm in, the, in a situation where like I should be practicing what I've said and then I engage. But obviously I had to go through what I went through. Otherwise I wouldn't have gone through it. I had to go through what I went through. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone through it. So I'm glad that I went through it because now I'm through it and I learned from it and I can kind of better understand how to um, deal with it, you know, for next time. Okay, so don't engage, right? But I did. I engaged. And then the next thing I did was I accepted somebody's invitation for me to continue to suffer, right? So when, you know, a friend called and they're like, how are you doing? I should have just been like, my husband was in a bad mood. I mean, that was the truth. My husband was in a bad mood and I saw that he was in a bad mood and yet I like engaged. I antagonized, um, I antagonized him when he was in a bad mood. But instead I allowed the ego who was bruised because, you know, I had engaged to try to now fix itself, inflate itself. And all of a sudden I was the victim and he was the villain. And I'm very conscious of what I'm doing, but kind of hard to kind of break away because it is a bad habit that we all do, particularly when you have somebody encouraging you saying, it's okay, like you could talk about it. You do need to talk about it. You know, it's better if you talk about it. No, it's not. <laughs> like, it's literally not better if you talk about it because you're literally just complaining, you know, and complaining never helps the situation. If it's not something, especially if you're doing it when you are in a negative state too, because at that point... I was now in a negative state, right? I had caught his negativity. So anything that I did from that point on, if it wasn't positive, would have just further put me in a negative state, right? So I'm being encouraged now, okay, it's okay to complain. So then you start complaining, you start condemning, everything starts to solidify, start to feel more real. And the next thing you know, now you're, you're there, you know, what the, what, got me out of it was, like I said, listening to Osho. And it was almost like he was like talking to me. And, you know, a lot of these sort of synchronistic things kind of happened to me where if I am going through something, I get kind of guided towards a particular direction. And then that either it's like a book or I watch something or something like that. And then I hear exactly 
what I need to hear. It's like my future self kind of guiding me more or less. Um, and so I, I heard that and it was basically said, you know, you're sitting here, you've been on this phone for an hour and you're saying everything bad that he has ever done. Like you never do anything bad. Like you are perfect. And the thing is when you project this expectation of perfection in other people, you also strengthen that expectation of perfection on yourself. And when you fall short of perfection, which you will because we're all imperfect, that ego is then going to turn around as now that strengthened voice in your head, you know, that criticizes everything you fucking do. And it's going to turn on you and you fed it, right? It's cause and effect. And you fed it just by indulging in all of this, right? So I was able to see that. And so it took me a while. I'm not saying that I got over this like, you know, very quickly because I got sucked in, but I used it, all of it. I used the argument as an exercise in consciousness. And I was grateful for that. Um, And something that could, that normally would have ended badly, we were able to sit eventually and talk about it and then move past it. And it, it was what it, what it came down to was me on my own rather than allowing myself to get sucked into that habit of you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. I forced myself, like legit, like had to force myself because like I said, we do get some enjoyment in the criticism because it it feeds the ego. It's like you're complimenting yourself by saying like this person is like no good because you're low-key saying I'm better than you. Every time you criticize something, you criticize a person, you're saying, I'm better, I'm better, I'm better than this, I'm better than you. And that's, that feeds the ego. When your ego is satiated, it's like a compliment, right? Like, how do you feel when somebody compliments you? You feel good, right? Even if that person is like just flattering you because they want something from you, it doesn't matter. You feel good, right? So you, you feel good in that act of condemnation even though through that, that good feeling that you're getting when you're condemning people, you're going to pay for that because what, by condemning other people, you're also strengthening that voice in your head that's going to turn around and condemn you, criticize you and bring you down and then cause you to be depressed. And so what I did was while I was observing myself and observed what was going on, I then turned around and started forcing myself to start listing the good things that he did and does do. The things that I, I, that he does that I am grateful for, you know. And I think the next day my friend called to talk about it again. And what broke the whole sort of thing was me saying, first of all, that was yesterday. Secondly, like I'm not, I don't want to keep talking about this. And third, like he's not a bad guy. I do love him. He's not perfect. It is what it is. I can be a dick too. And that was like the first sort of like chain, like being broken. And I was able to kind of break from that loop of of like, okay, like this is a, you know, this is a bad mind, bad bad frame of mind that we're in. And then another um, phrase from Osho kind of popped up the following day because I went back to re 
read like I think another book of Osho and um and the phrase was you keep living in the past and your past will be your future right and then another phrase I think he quoted Seneca I'm not sure don't hold me to that last part but I did write this phrase down and I'll share it with you. It doesn't matter where it came from, Um, but it was Seneca. It says, life is not a good or evil. It's simply a place where good and evil exist. And that was Seneca. But more on topic, he did say, uh, Osho said in the books, keep living in the past and your past will be your future. Keep living in your past and your past will be your future. So I... Pause and recognize that this is a kind of a cycle. Bear in mind, like I said, I've been married before. And I have an expectation of perfection from people that I interact with. It's just me as an artist. It's a bad habit, but it's who I am. And I think it's not even necessarily a habit. It's just a, it's a way of approach. Where the way I paint, it's I like painting beautiful people, beautiful things, beautiful scenery. I just love beauty. And I like making things beautiful. So um, I look at people and I see how they can improve. And I look at myself and I see how I can improve. And that's part of what I talked to my husband about. Like He was like, well, you know, do you think you're perfect? And I understand where that question was coming from because it was like, obviously... If I'm criticizing him, he's recognizing on some level that the act of criticism and criticizing him is low-key me indirectly saying that, you know, I'm better than you. And that's that's what criticism comes down to. That's what condemnation comes down to, like I've said in this episode. So I said, no, I, I don't think I'm perfect. I don't read. <laughs> I don't read 10 books a month. Because I think I'm a perfect person. Like I'm clearly trying to improve myself. But that's who I am. And I am that way with myself. But I also project that onto other people. Like case in point this whole entire podcast. I'm sharing things that I know and I've read. Because I want people who listen to be improved versions of themselves. And everything has extremes right. So on one end like I want people to just be happier. And and live improved better lives. But on the opposite end it can become a perfectionism right uh and that obviously is not always good um so acknowledging that and talking through it helped and ultimately everybody stopping checking their egos pushing it back and saying at the end of the day I don't want to be with anybody else I love you you know it's weird how she's saying that in the midst of it is like the easiest hardest thing to fucking do it's the easiest, hardest thing to do. Like the next time you catch yourself in an argument with your, your spouse, your partner or whatever, and you like, and you know, like you can end the argument at any point in time, just be the bigger person, walk away or give them space or don't engage or just say, I love you or say, thank you or don't retaliate or don't respond. <laughs> like all of these things can end the argument and create peace and avoid chaos. But Man, like, that's just the hardest thing to do. It's the easiest, hardest thing to do. But that's how we ended the argument. I started this podcast basically saying that um, everything costs and kind of re-bringing that up. But I'm ending it to kind of reiterate what I started, which was bear in mind that when you're going through something and it's negative, right? 
I just explained how we argued. Um, my husband and I argued for the last two days. In the past, when I would have argued with a, with a loved one this way, in my mind, I would have gotten stuck. I would have gotten stuck in the mindset of, this sucks, this is, this is bad, it's only going to get worse from here. And by saying, saying it so and thinking it so, I would have made it so and then caused what I imagined to be was me being stuck to actually come into fruition, right? Because uh, we manifest our realities by, our, by the things that we believe, right? And um, what I did instead was understand that I flipped what I just said with everything costs. I flipped it. I flipped it to the other side of the coin that if every good that I engage in is going to cost me some evil, then every evil that I'm experiencing is a payment for something good. Every evil that I'm experiencing is a payment for something good. So I'm prepaying, I'm prepaying for something good. You need to start looking at things that way. Even this year, we all have to collectively understand that life needs a balance. And so the greater part of this year has been shite, absolute total shite, right? In the sense of, you know, you've been living it, so you know what's going on on us. All of us just trying to stay positive, trying to vibe, trying to, you know, make the best of the situation that we've all found ourselves in. But you can allow yourself to get stuck and say, like, this sucks, you know, right off all of 2020, which a lot of people seem to be doing, or you can understand that everything has a cost. And so what we're doing right now is basically we're taking the hangover first. So 2020 has been like our hangover, right? Well, <laughs> anywhere from honestly, if we're being honest, 2016 to 2020 has been, <laughs> has been uh, the hangover. And we will be paying we're paying for the hangover or the hangover is paying for something positive that's coming. So the arguments that I had with my husband over the last like, you know, day or so is not a sign that things are bad, but a a payment for something good that's coming. And so that's how I choose to look at things and we're going to make it so. And, you know, this morning, we had a very good morning. We talked and we were a lot better after our argument because we were able to communicate everything that, you know, we had kind of been holding back. Um, we were both able to communicate through it. And we were now better today than we were a week ago. And even in the midst of everything happening, I had said to myself, like, you know, like there was my ego was saying, you know, that voice in your head and it was like condemning me. It was criticizing me and saying like, you know, why, why didn't you just walk away? Like da, 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 da. And I said, first of all, you and I both know, this is how I talk to myself. You and I both know, um, I talk to the ego. I, I legit do. You and I both know that free will is an illusion and, and, um, and it's a, it's a, free will is a myth. So all of this has already happened. I am just the observer. I was destined to have the conversation with him. I didn't have any control in that situation. Clearly, it was it happened as it was supposed to happen because that's what happened. Um, so to then turn around and blame me for something I had no control over is like, 
blaming a character on a TV show for something for the way that they were written. That's how they were fucking written. That's how this character, my persona, my life has been written. So I was destined to have that argument, you know, on Sunday night. It happened. And so I'm not going to blame myself or feel guilty, which is another thing that Osho kind of talks about um, in his books. Uh, I'm not going to feel guilty for something that I, if we're being realistic, based on everything that I've read, um, everything has said that you don't control reality. You have no control. The only thing you really have is control of is yourself. And it's not even like we have free will. Scientists have said, neurologists have said that it's not, you don't have free will, you have free won't. What's going to happen is going to happen. All you can do is your free will gets exercised and you choosing to make it not happen. But what's going to happen is the default. The only, the only way you exercise free will is by stopping the default from happening. And a lot of us are incapable of stopping the default from happening because a lot of us operate on autopilot. So to, you know, to have my psyche say to me, you know, this is your fault. It's like, no, it's not really my fault. This is predetermined. I'm just the observer. At some point, yes, I had a choice to walk away, but the window of free won't was so slim that before I knew it, I was kind of caught up and that's not my fault. That's just how I'm programmed. Clearly I'm working on becoming more conscious and exercising free will. Um, and this is just another practice that I was supposed to learn from. So by, by doing that and being more you know, logical and uh, realistic with myself and really breaking things down and say, like, this was supposed to happen the way it happened, I was able to kind of break away from that self-condemnation as well as that negative space. Um, so I will leave you. I've been trying to keep each episode below uh, 60 minutes. So I will leave you with the names of the two books um, by Osho that I read this week that really helped. One is uh, Dhamma, Dhamma, Dhammapada, Dhammapada, Dhammapada Volume 2. Um, it's an Osho talk. It's an audible. And then the other one is the Book of Wisdom, the Heart of Tibetan Buddhism. And that's an Osho talk. Um, and that's the 47 hour long one. I would recommend those two. Um, it's really helped put me in a nice state. I'm not even finished with the second one, the book of wisdom. I'm just, I'm like halfway through. Um, but you know, he tells a lot of funny jokes and, you know, listen to it with an open mind and, um, you'll get a lot out of it. And, um, I think one more thing that I got to find before this is over. Hold on. Ego is the enemy. Let me find the author for you guys. Yeah. Ryan Holiday. Um, I would recommend you check that out, but start with Osho. Um, and if you have heard of Osho or you've read, you know, you've listened to him before, or you've read his book before, go and reread it. It really, really helped me out. And I know it will help you out, uh, again. All right, guys, catch you next time.